Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. From KQED. This week, everybody's talking about PG&E's bankruptcy filing. We don't know how much the company's going to be liable for the fires that destroyed parts of Northern California. This includes the campfire out of Butte County. That investigation is not over yet. But what we do know is that people there are still being displaced by the wildfires. This disaster is so far from being over, um, both in terms of rebuilding, in terms of dealing with the ripple effects in Chico. Today, how displacement from the campfire includes people whose homes were not destroyed by the fire. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I mean, it was bad before the fire started. They had a vacancy rate of about 1.5 to 2%, which in practical terms is essentially it's zero. Sonia Hudson's been covering the campfire in Butte County for KQED since the fires ignited on November 8th. Most of the time I'll be up there for like three or four days. All the hotels are basically at capacity and it's really hard to get a hotel room because they're full of people who are displaced from the fire. The campfire destroyed nearly 14,000 homes and burned more than 153,000 acres. The death toll from the campfire reached 86 and many of the thousands of people who lost homes in the fire ended up in Chico, about 15 miles away. Sonia says it was already hard finding a place to live in Chico before the fires. Do you have any idea how many apartments or rentals are available in Butte County? The answer is essentially none. Quite frankly, our, our message ever since the beginning is, is there is no housing in Butte County. I talked to Ed Mayer, who's the executive director of the Butte County Housing Authority, which deals with the rental market. We believe that every single unit uh, that is available has been occupied. So we're now involved in a game of musical chairs. You're not going to find a house unless someone leaves their chair. And when someone does leave their chair, there will be many households who are vying for that one seat. So that's the game we're playing. People's housing situations really run the gamut. There's still over 100 people living in a Red Cross shelter in Chico. Many people who are staying here are renters who didn't have any insurance, and some homeowners didn't have enough insurance. The people who are remaining there, a lot of them were formerly homeless before the fire, um, but there's a lot of people living in trailers. People have moved all across the country because there's just simply not enough housing in Chico. They're facing a housing crisis, and they're facing a lot more problems after this fire. It's put such a crunch on the market there that another thing that we're seeing is landlords actually evicting their tenants to make space for their relatives that lost their homes in the fire. This woman named April Whitley, who I met the last time I was up in Chico, She has lived in this home for about three years. The landlord was actually a family friend of hers. 
there's been a lot of emotions. It's it's been really tough. Um, the and my initial reaction was, oh my gosh, I'm. I have nowhere to go. April is a mother of two. She lives in this nice single family home in Chico. You're such an excited little puppy, huh? She has a lot of pets. Actually, when I went in to, to meet her at her home, her four month old puppy um, just jumped four up. Four month old me. puppy? April got this call from her landlord. I got a phone call from my landlord um, at the end of November saying that, you know, you need to move out in three months. She was going to have to terminate our rental agreement. So she's having to make, the landlord's having to make this decision of... Yeah, it's it's her daughter um, that April says, you know, her landlord told her is going to need to move in. Her daughter lost her home in paradise. And she has her own son. He's two or three. And then we got the letter in the mail in the beginning of December. Um, and what did the letter say? Um, it did not say due to the campfire that my rental agreement is being terminated. Um, it just said... According to civil codes, X, Y, and Z, you know, um, this is a 60-day notice for you guys to have to leave the premises. She and her husband tried to find a house to buy. The first thing we did was, okay, let's see if we can afford to buy in the market as it is right now. They went to the bank, got pre-qualified for a loan, um, but found they really were not able to compete in this market, which has heated up quite a bit. We don't have the cash that folks from Paradise have with their insurance money. So we can't compete in the bidding wars um, that are happening right now. I'd imagine, too, part of buying a house is making the case to the current homeowner that you are the right person to take over their home. So I imagine there's a lot of people who, who were displaced because their home was destroyed in the fire who are writing letters and just basically getting their story to the homeowner. There are a lot of people writing these letters that say, hey, I lost my home in the fire and just trying to make a very sympathetic case um, for why they should sell the house to them. People are really hoping that homeowners prioritize selling to campfire victims. The ripple effect of this fire is so big, not everyone's going to get help and not everyone's going to get what they want. And so you, you have this problem of who do you prioritize? Can you tell me what happened to April Whitley? Their plan is to move to her brother's house in Capay, which is about an hour and a half away. He said, you know, if you can't find anywhere, we they have a three-bedroom house. They don't have kids of their own. The plan is for her two children to live in the spare bedrooms of her brother's house. And then April and her husband will live in a trailer on the property. We're going to park the trailer at my brother's house. Um, he has three bedrooms, so my kids will at least have their own bedroom still. And I didn't want to take away their their excitement and their life, basically. So they'll have their own bedrooms there. Um, and then my husband and I will sleep in the trailer. The type of owner eviction April's going through is legal, although we don't know how often this is happening, especially after the campfire. Chico City staff and the Butte County Housing Authority say they don't track owner move-in evictions. When I talked to the Chico mayor, his name's Randall Stone, about this, what he wants to do moving forward is incentivize development so there are more units available to kind of alleviate this housing crunch that's going on. Our fee schedule system uh, for the last few years has been beneficial towards developers that are building McMansions, five bedroom, five baths. The same cost for fees from the city uh, builds you a five bedroom, five bath as it does a one bedroom, one bath. That's the first thing that we did was, was begin to, to shift that back, encourage accessory dwelling units 
uh, to be developed, which is going to increase the density in the city. This disaster is so far from being over, both in terms of rebuilding, in terms of dealing with the ripple effects in Chico and the development that the mayor and other members of the city council want to incentivize. That's going to take years to happen. And so you're going to continue to have this crisis for a long, long time. That's Sonia Hudson, reporter for KQED. Chico's last remaining wildfire shelter will be open at least through mid-March. The county extended the lease to the Red Cross at the Silver Dollar Fairgrounds after it was supposed to expire this week. Meanwhile, the Disaster Recovery Center will remain open. The Bay is produced this week by Erica Aguilar, Ashley Ann Krigbaum, and me. Our theme music is by Dowd Anthony. The KQED team includes Vinnie Tong, Julie Kane, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. And also just a little bit of news. I'm going to be going on vacation for the next couple of weeks. Erica's going to be hosting and kicking some ass while I'm gone. We'll also have amazing producers from KQED stepping in to help out. So I will see you when I get back. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the Bay. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.